Today, we are starting off in a brand new series for the beginning of the year that we're just simply calling uh, Believe for Greater Things. How many of y'all think it's good to believe for greater things? Anybody? Well, maybe not. Okay, I guess, not. I guess nobody else does this morning. But uh, no, you know, it's, it's a good thing to believe for greater things. And I'm excited because uh, this series, you know, you can believe for a lot of things, can't you? You can believe for uh, $10,000 to fall the sky, hit you in the head when you're walking on the street, right? You can believe for that. Who wants to believe with that with me right now? Anybody? No. You can believe that. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? You know, that's not always the case. Maybe you've tried before. I know I have. Uh, you know, you can believe for a lot of things. And so uh, this morning and for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how as a church, together, we're going to take some steps, some practical steps, to really do this, to believe for greater things for us as a as believers, but also for us as a church over the, co- the, the course of this next year. And, and so I'm excited about that. It's going to be practical stuff. And I want to in, encourage you today to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17 today. And, and, and as you turn there this morning, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to ask God to illuminate his word to us this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, we have prayed a lot today, but Lord, your word says your house should be called a house of prayer. So Lord, we do it again. And I ask you this morning, God, you would just illuminate this word to us. Lord Jesus, speak life to us through your word this morning. Lord, speak hope to us through your word this morning. God, challenge us. Give us things today that we have not yet seen, Lord Jesus, and help us to to see a perspective that we have not yet done. And Lord, cause it to bring blessing in our lives and our church. We pray this in your strong and holy name. Amen and amen. Now, I want to start today with a big question. Have you ever wondered why sometimes it seems that your prayers go unanswered? Anybody wondered that at some point? You said, man, that doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, maybe you've heard this before. You said, there's a lot of reasons why prayers can go unanswered, right? There just is. Uh, But maybe you said, man, I I pray, I I see God's face, but it feels like there's something missing. I I can't get a breakthrough. I've tried to, and I've tried praying, and it just hasn't worked that well, and I'm struggling through this right now. If you've been there before, uh, like there's a a missing ingredient, you're not alone, right? I, myself, have prayed that. Many believers, all of us at some point, have thought that that way. And so today, I want to show you a place in the Bible where that happens. And, and, and then, and I, love, I love the Bible, how honest it is, right? If I was going to write a book, a holy book, I wouldn't be nearly as honest as the Bible is. But God is, is pretty amazing. God is honest in the Bible. And he shows us the way things really are. So this is one of those places. Here in Matthew chapter 17. And so this would happen, and then Jesus gives a solution. Matthew 17, verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So this guy sees and recognizes that this situation with his son was more than just some weird thing or more than just this kid who liked fire and water. This was a deeper issue. It was a spiritual issue. So this man goes to the person who, who he knows and who has the answers and has the hope, Jesus Christ. He goes to him and says, Lord, help my son. Now i got to pause just for a minute with a little thought that I had as I was preparing that this, this week. Can we be that for people too? Can people come to us when they're struggling spiritually through things and they, can they find help and find hope? I hope so this morning. Uh, and Watch this interesting detail, verse 16. Uh, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. We are forced in this text to ask a question of the text. Why and where and what do we have to learn from this? What do we have to learn and what this means for us? It's an awful lot, actually. Let's continue. And I want you to read this next part out loud, okay? That's kind of hard, but we're going to, it's early, but we're going to do it anyway. So this morning, verse 17, you unbelieving and perverse generations, try that again, you unbelieving and 
perverse generation, Jesus replies. Like, wow, Jesus. Man, the smackdown right there. Seriously, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Two words. Two words here that Jesus Christ gives as a response to why this was the case. Two things, unbelieving and perverse. Two ideas, two words right there. The, the reality here, and as he continues here, he says there's two problems. He continues, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now, pause there. Again, you think, wow, Jesus is really laying it down here. But if you're a parent, or if you know a parent, or if you have ever had kids around you, you've had to deal with them, uh, sometimes kids don't get it, do they? And you have to repeat yourself several times. Come on, guys, get this. Come on, guys, this is important. How long do I have to be with you? How many times do I have to tell you this? You have to hear this. Jesus, through his ministry, taught a very similar thing as what we're going to go on today. He taught this, but yet they didn't quite get it. Uh, Bring the boy here to me. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. The problem here was a connection problem. I have in front of me today my old wireless router. If you're a geek like I am today, you'll appreciate this. If not, you'll appreciate this because you know how the Internet works. Sometimes it's very frustrating. I'm a nerd, and so I have a, I'm, I'm into this kind of stuff. And I bought this router years ago. It was a great router, and I bought it. I spent a lot of money on it. It was fast. It worked great. I could download Facebook and all my stuff really fast back then. It was, you know, all the important things in life. And so it was great. But a little problem has ensued over the last few months. This thing has slowed down incredibly. Now, I pay a lot of money for Internet. That's one thing that I do. I don't have cable I don't have a lot of other stuff, but I do have internet. Internet's important to me, and so I have the biggest and the best, the fastest. And so I have that, but yet I wasn't receiving that. So over the last few months, uh, when my girls have watched Netflix, our Netflix continues to time out. We have problems with lag time, all this kind of stuff. But I pay for the best internet. See, the problem that I had was a network connection problem. My problem, though, though I had the power coming into my house to have a great internet service, my wireless router was a problem. So I had to, last night, as I got home from Chicago, I couldn't wait to do this, I I unplugged my old router, plugged my new router in, and instantly, everything changed. I went to Facebook, because that's what you do right away, and I downloaded it, but went amazing, it went super fast. You see, I had a connection problem. These guys, and Christ is teaching us a lesson here, that the problem here was a connection problem. Two things, two words. Unbelieving and perverse. Two words, and we'll kind of get into these a little bit. And the, the first one, unbelieving, maybe your, your translation says faithless. Uh, this word in Greek is apistos, and it means exactly what it says. Unbelieving and, you know, faithless. That's what it says. And so you kind of get that, that right there. And so the connotations of this are, are pretty amazing. Think about this for a minute. You unbelieving, unfaithless generation, you are not connected to God, and you are without an intimate, deep, faith-filled relationship. You become a doubter. This position that comes from disconnection. You have somehow unplugged yourself from me, and now you have become disconnected. If it was different, you'd be connected and you would have a life-giving, faith-filled relationship with me. And as a result, you'd grow in faith. So what Jesus is saying here, your problem here is that you are faithless. You are unbelieving. That's the first one. Number two is the word perverse. Now, you know, don't go too deep in there. What you think of your mind when you say perverted, perverse, or whatever else. Perverse has a very distinct meaning. It's diastropho, and the word here in the Greek is corrupted. I think of corrupted when I think of my car. When I go out to my car, it's happened to me earlier this year. Um, I had, uh, I, I had a, a problem starting my, car, my truck one morning, went out there, and popped the hood, and I saw that my, my, my diodes on my battery had, been, had become corrupted. There was all kinds of garbage and junk on those things, and so though my battery was strong and good, though my system was fine, my battery power, my battery tr- uh, diodes were corrupted. So I had to pull the thing off and clean it off and dust it off, and then the connection was back to being made again. 
Jesus says you have two problems. You are disconnected. You are disconnected from me, and you are corrupted, and you are drawn away from me to the things of the world. You're not connected to God. You're too connected to the world. You've got yourself in some areas that are deluding and polluting and destroying God's relationship with you. You are both too connected and you're not connected enough. How true is this of us sometimes? Man, I'm putting myself in the exact same boat. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm pointing a finger at, well, me and then all of us today because I'm being honest today. How, How true is this for us a lot? Even those of us that are, that are long-time uh, mature believers. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm not a long-time Christian. I don't know. You know, this, this includes you, but it also includes us having have known Christ for all of our lives or for much of our lives. This is a challenge for all of us to remain connected to God and disconnected from the world. That's a tough, tough thing. The world corrupts us. Thought processes corrupt us. Things happen. You know, the problems happen. The car breaks down. Whatever else. Man, bam, right there is the opportunity to disconnect from God and connect to the problems and the things of this world. I've gotten myself in places at times where seriously and honestly, I'm probably not as connected to God as I should be. And then vice versa, I've let some things slip in in my life sometimes and things where I'm just a little too connected to the world. And, and for, for us, you know, if you're a long-time believer, I'm not talking about, like, you know, overt, awful sin that's just absolutely overt and terrible and you know, you know, it's just this huge deal. That's not what I'm talking about. There's other little things and connections to the world that we sometimes can allow to slip into our lives and can allow them to disconnect us from Jesus Christ, right? And connect us to the world. That's kind of where he's going right here. He says, your problem is you are, you are not connected to me and you are, dis- or you are connected to the world. That's what he's saying right here. And I don't want to intentionally, I don't want to tell you what those things are for you, Okay? not my role. I know what mine are, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know what yours are. Not my, not my place. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, to speak to us and to challenge us and to continuously reorient our lives and orient our hearts back to him. That's his role. My challenge to you is to ask God, Lord, is there a place where I'm not connected to you? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of that, and, and it's not it's, it's, not, it's not bringing condemnation, it's just condemnation, you know right there. That's not from God, that's from the enemy, that's what the word says. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, brings us conviction that challenges us and reorients us back to the right place. So the question I want to ask you to do is say, Lord, is there a place that I'm not connected to you, and I'm too connected to the world, and then listen to what he says. Stop and say and listen, God Am I too connected to the world, not connected to you enough? And stop and then listen. He'll speak. He'll, he'll, he'll speak to you in those things, in those areas. You know, we, we need to do this all the time. Lord, is there a place where I'm, I'm connected to the world and it's, it's polluted me? And, and, and this is an, an issue. But thankfully, Jesus gave a response and a teaching here in Matthew 17. And this is really, really good. Verse 19 this passage, then the disciples came to Jesus in private. That means they're embarrassed, that, you know, and they asked him, why couldn't we drive this demon out? Now you could pause here, and people have said before, well, they couldn't because, because they weren't Jesus. And Jesus is, is, is God, and they weren't, and so that's why they couldn't do this, which would make sense if it wasn't for this next passage, right? You could say, well, we don't get this because I'm not God, so I can't do that. But that's not truth. Based on what this says right here, Jesus replied, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here, and it will. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now I want to pause here for a minute. And I want you to take off the hats of, you probably heard this passage preached and taught a thousand times. I'm probably going to bet that there is 
there are so many angles you can take from this passage this morning. I want to pause today and challenge you to think about this for what it really says. Because how I've seen this in my life is I've said, wow, for me to get what I want, I have to dig deeper and work harder and work stronger with more faith. Then God will operate and move as I want him to move, right? That's, we've thought that a lot, haven't we? We thought, well, God, if, if, if I have more faith, and just muster up more faith, and that's, how, that's what you want, and then I'm going to get what I, what I need or, or what I want. And I remember as a kid, and maybe you did this too, I took this to heart, and I went out in our woods after hearing this preached one time, and I thought, I'm going to do this, man. This is going to be cool. And so I went in our woods at my mom and dad's house. I looked at this big old tree, and I said, okay, tree, you're going to move in Jesus' name. And I was probably like, I don't know, 13 years old, so that kind of reveals to you how my mind thinks. But I'm going to say, move from here, and I'm going to really believe and trust God's going to happen. So I stood there, and I closed my eyes, and I said, okay, when I open my eyes, that tree is going to be gone right now. Okay, so you ready? Tree, you are gone now. And the tree was still there. And I had another time, well, maybe I wasn't, had enough faith, so I'm going to try this again. I'm going to dig deeper again. Okay, this tree, I'm going to close my eyes. And when I close my eyes, open them again. I'm really believing this time. Last time I didn't, now I'm going to. This tree is gone. So, okay, ready? One, two, three, gone. And it was still there. See, that's the problem sometimes, is that when we take that attitude towards this scripture in other parts of our lives that are not trees, but things that are a whole lot more serious, we put God on trial, don't we? Years ago, God spoke to me on that very thing. Steve, when you pray, Steve, when you say you trust me, when you say that you ask me for things, when you say that you trust me for things, Every single time you do that, you put me on trial. Meaning if, if, if I do what you want me to do, then you believe in me. If I don't act as you want me to act, then you somehow don't believe in me. Then you don't have faith in me that, that, that your faith rises on falls on what I do or what I don't do for you and in you. And so if you work hard to trust me, then maybe then you'll have faith, but then not. It becomes this frustrating, difficult, up and down roller coaster of terribleness that I don't want to live on. And Jesus here is talking about how that is exactly the problem. That that's not what faith is supposed to be all about. See, the problem here, he says, your problem is that you are unbelieving and perverse. So wouldn't the answer then just be be to believe a little harder? And just trust a little more? And and just work a little harder? And then then it's going to happen? But the question is, is at what point do you work hard enough? Or at what point... Do you trust enough for the thing to happen and take place? Maybe there's a deeper issue and problem here that we need to understand as believers. The problem, you are unbelieving and perverse. The solution, Jesus says in verse 21, he continues here after verse 20. He says, however, everyone say however. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and Fasting. Man, those are two important words. And frankly, the second word is one that I don't like very much. Okay? I don't like it. I'll be honest with you. I'd say, God, change that one. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't like that one very much. This kind only come out by prayer and fasting. Again, Jesus says you have two problems. You are unbelieving and you are perverse. Those are the problems. But Jesus here gives us a solution. Now, I've got to pause here because you maybe read, read this. You may say, my Bible doesn't have verse 21. Uh, the reason for that is that some scholars uh, have argued over that. And some of the scholars that have translated your Bible have disagreed over, is this actually in this part of Scripture? And the reason why that is the case is because, you know, Bible scholars and such will forever argue about something, and so that's kind of how it works. But but I'm I'm confident that this is here because in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, which is the same story 
told in Mark in a different way. That's the, the first four Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are synoptic, which means similar or same. This same story in Mark includes these two words, includes this idea. So I'm confident that Jesus said this here in this place. And so if that's there and it's not there, you wonder, well, now you know why that's the case. And so but we get back to this because that's an important, important, vital detail to this passage. Your problem, unbelieving and perverse. My problem, unbelieving and perverse. Our problem, unbelieving and perverse. Solution, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. I want to show you today how these two solutions solve the first two problems If this morning. The first one, of course, is pretty basic. We can kind of understand this pretty easily. Prayer connects us to God. If your prayer life is not life-giving, if your prayer life is not enjoyable and passionate and there, then you need to reevaluate your prayer life. Now, I tell you that as a person who has been to both sides of the fence there. I have had an unbelievably amazing, life-giving prayer life. I have, have had that. I have also had the other side of the fence where I have had a not-so-wonderful life-giving prayer life. I've been both places, and so have you. All of us have. The, The question today is not... Does prayer work, or does prayer do what we, what we want it to do? It does. Christ gave us the answer here. The question is, how far have we walked away from how prayer connects us with God? A prayer life, a great, life-giving, effective prayer life, will, one always completely, will give you a life that's growing with growing faith and challenging, and it'll be amazing, it'll be good. If you have that going on in your life. Daniel chapter chapter 11 verse 32 says, The people who know their God will display great strength and take action. See, the more time you spend with something, the better you get with that thing, right? My kids got toys for Christmas. They got a lot of toys for Christmas. My house is now twice as full of junk as it was before. And so I've got Barbie Barbies around. I got little tiny shoes I can trip over now. I've got all kinds of stuff that they got. And most of it was gotten this last week when we were in Chicago with Auntie Mimi because she loves to spend money on my girls. And so we have, I have so much stuff right now. And what's so fun to see is my girls, when they get a new toy, they spend a lot of time with that toy. They take it apart. They put it back together. My girls are very artistic, and I don't, that's just for my wife, not for me. And so they have these toys that they can pull out, and they, they write things on, they, they, they do artwork, they paint, they do all this kind of stuff. They love that stuff, and the more time they spend at it, the better they get with it. The more time they dedicate to their toy life, the better things are in their lives. And, and see, for all of us, There's a principle here in our prayer life. Prayer is hard sometimes. Prayer is work sometimes. Prayer takes dedication. Prayer takes a heart that says, I'm going to do this no matter what. And that oftentimes is what precludes us from having a great prayer life. Is we're not willing to take the first step over the hump of difficulty to get to where our prayer life is life-giving. And church this morning, I want to encourage you that Jesus gave us the answer to our problems when he said, you are unbelieving because you don't have a life of prayer that connects you to God. Prayer eliminates the disconnection with God, and it connects us in his presence. The more time we're able to spend, the stronger the connection. Now, I know the next question you may ask is, well, pastor, how much prayer time should I do? Should I... I pray 15 minutes. Should I pray an hour? Should I pray five hours? Should I pray 12 hours? Some of you moms out there are like, oh no, I feel worse now because I don't have time to even sit down. So how can I do this? And the reality is, that's the wrong question to ask. The question isn't, well, okay, God, if I spend four hours with you, then you're going to start listening and then you're going to do what I want. And so that's not the question to ask. 
The question to ask is, God, how much time can I spend in your presence? I am hungry, I am thirsty, and I see and know and understand that it is through my time of being connected with you that I will find what life is really all about. You should have a regular prayer time. This, this is the beginning of the year. It's a great opportunity for you to start the year off right. You should have a time every day, no matter what that is for you, whatever works, but you should have a time where you spend praying and just being connected to God. It's, it's, it's vital. It's important. If I could stand my head here and convince you, then I would. I'm not going to because it won't work, but you know, it is so important and vital that you have a consistent daily time that connects you with God. It is, it's vital. The stats tell us that most people, even many pastors, don't have lives like that. And it's any wonder why Jesus gave us this response. You don't have what you ask for. You don't have these things because you are disconnected from me. You're disconnected from God. I want to encourage you to connect back in. That may mean that you have a five-minute time every day Every day at 7 o'clock, I'm going to get up five minutes early, and I'm going to spend time with God in prayer. Every day I'm going to get home, and I'm going to, before I walk in the door, I'm going to sit in my truck for five minutes and pray. Whatever it might be, you need to start off with a regular time of prayer with God. It's, 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 it's absolutely important. What I found as well in my life is it doesn't start, start or stop just with my regular time. It's my life of prayer. Last night I was putting my, my daughter Emmy to bed and she was having fun. We, were, we had this little game we play at night sometimes and I, I held her in my arms. I, I, I held her in my arms and I said, God, I pray that you would just bless my, my daughter, that you would keep her, that your face would shine upon her, be gracious to her all her life, that she would grow up to be a woman of God who loves you with all of her heart. She'd be a revolutionary in her, in her, in her, her generation that people would come to know Christ because of her witness. God, that she would do that in my daughter's life. We can live our lives, we pray, as much as we possibly can do. God is going to do some great things in our lives. When you're driving, when you're at work, with your friends. Take a minute, pull back and pray. Take a minute, pull back and reconnect in with God. If we'll live and do and we'll have an attitude of prayer, we'll find ourselves praying more often and we'll see our lives go from unbelieving to believing, from unconnected to connected. That's the first issue. Problem number two, though, Jesus said, was not just that you are unbelieving or unconnected, it was that you are also perverse, that you are too connected in some other places. Fasting, where, where prayer connects us to God, fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Now, I, again, I'm going to be honest with you today, completely honest. I, I lay myself bare all the time. I hate fasting. That's why it's important. I hate giving up food. You can see I like food. I hate living like that. That's why it's important. That's why it's valuable. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting is one of the most ununderstood, most unpracticed, most ungotten spiritual disciplines there are. Unbelievers get prayer. They get why prayer works and is important. What most people don't, even believers don't get, is why fasting is very important. Today, church, fasting is not punishing yourself so God will like you more, okay? And if I just give up my meals for six weeks, then God's going to really listen to me. No, that's not what it's all about. Fasting is not suffering so that you and I can gain access to a free life that God will forgive us. That was already done on the cross. What fasting is, is it disconnects me from the world so I can connect to him. It's laying down some things for a season so I can prove to myself and the whole world that God is more important than anything else, anyone else, anywhere else. When you fast, you watch. When you fast, when you say, I'm not going to be involved in that for a season, Watch things change in your life. When I was in college, I had a very, very dark time 
spiritually and just my, with my calling with a lot of things. It was just, it was difficult. And I mentioned a few weeks ago when Dave Nichols was here, he was a big part of that because towards the end of this time, uh, he prayed for me and God did some good things in my life when he prayed. But that's not where that started, okay? It started way before that process. This was back in, in 1999, and you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but God called me to fast the Vikings for that year. Uh, I love sports, okay? That's no secret. I love football. Hallelujah. It's nice to be a great night. I'm trusting God for it. But, um, no, I, I love football. And in 98, when the Vikings, when they... They, they played well. It was a great year. And then the end of the year was a heartbreaker. And I almost cried at that last game when they looked, when, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. It's too painful still. But I, when, I, when, I, when it happens, God revealed something in my life. In, in a time of prayer, he said, Steve, football is too important to you. If you want to hear my voice and listen to me for the direction of your life, I want you to lay down the Vikings. Now, again, you say, well, that sounds kind of crazy. That sounds kind of weird, whatever. God really spoke to you on that. Yes, I, absolutely he did. And I'm telling you what, I would have rather had him call me to lay down food or lay down whatever, whatever else. That was so hard. Because everybody around me was all excited for the 99 season. Everybody around me was excited to watch football. And God called me to lay it down. And instead of watch football from noon till 3 and be heartbroken, instead of doing that, he called me to take that time every Sunday to go find a place of prayer and spend that time with him. And I'm telling you what, it was hard. I didn't want to do it. And you know what else? I failed a few times. The few times when I did that, knowing what I was supposed to do, and I went and I watched the game anyway because my friends were all doing it, and they all went out to do it, and Steve, you got to come with us. And so I did it anyway, and I missed out on something in those times. So this is the deal, that, that, that year of fasting the Vikings, and God was like, this is not a forever thing, this is a this year thing. That year for me was a transformational year in my life. Transformational. There were things that I doubted about my life and my calling and what God wanted me to do and what God wanted me to say. There was things I doubted about his voice, about hearing from him, all kinds of stuff. God, I don't know about this. But that, that year, those things changed. Because fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting disconnects us from what's going on around us. Fasting disconnects us from the world and connects us back to Christ. Connects us back to what he wants to do. Now, I want to give you a, a little, take a break here for a minute. I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up over the next few days here, or next few, few days and weeks here at Bridgeview. God has spoken, and I feel that this is what we're going to do as a church that I'm calling for us to do a fast as a church. There are some things that God wants to do in this church that are so good and so right and so awesome, and I'm so excited about them. But you know what, church? We need to also learn our, teach ourselves and learn how to be disconnected from the world. Not in a weird way. It's not in a, you know, most monastic, you know, hit ourselves in the head with a bunch of books kind of thing. And, you know, oh, woe is me. I'm fasting and all that kind of stuff. No, it's God, you are so vital and important to me that I am willing to enter into a fast. Because I am asking you for a breakthrough. So over the next few weeks, what I want to have us do is to pray just like that. In your bulletins today, you'll see a sheet that looks like this. Believe for greater things. We can believe all we want for things to happen, but God's called us to live in a certain way. And so what we're going to do as a church, over the next 20-some days, we're going to pray and we're going to fast together. This is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to consider today what you'll fast. Now, if you're here and you are diabetic or you are, have some issue or, or whatever else, you know, fasting does not have to be food, okay? You can fast other things. Now, what I want to ask you to do is ask the Lord and pray and say, God, what will you have me to lay down over this course of this next month? Now, again, I'm not asking you to, unless God calls you to, to fast for the entire month from food. And if you do that, make sure you know what you're doing. 
uh, you know, I'll leave that up into your, your courts. Don't say that I told you that. Don't say, Pastor told us we can't eat for the entire month of January. I didn't say that. So if you say that, um, I'll play, my, play, play this message for you, and so you're wrong. But uh, no, I, I want to ask you, though, to consider fasting something for this next few weeks. And when you do that, take time to pray. See, fasting should not just be a thing that we just quit something and then don't replace it with something else. When we fast, we quit that and we take that time and dedicate that to God in prayer. You might be here today, you might say, man, pastor, I am struggling financially. I'm struggling spiritually. I'm struggling in some areas in my life. I need breakthrough. Take it from Jesus. He's a pretty good source. Take it from what he says and what he speaks. This is how this changes. You need to pray and you need to learn how to disconnect yourself from the world through fasting. So in your bulletins, there are sheets that look like this. Now I realize some of these things are really small, and I just seen it just now. Or say I'm sorry, uh, blame that on me. So uh, next week that's going to be better. But uh, every day this this week, we're going to give you a sheet on Sundays that you can take every day. There's a date there, and take and together as a church, we're going to pray for some things. For instance, today. I want to pray for our church's kids' ministry. Tomorrow, pray for families. On Tuesday, pray for our nation. On, on Wednesday, pray for schools. On Thursday, for world missions. On Friday, for renewal. On Saturday, for our neighborhood. We're going to do this and give this to you every single day for this month. We can pray together as a church. And we're going to fast and ask God for breakthrough. How many of y'all want breakthrough in our church? Anybody? Come on now, anybody want that? Right. We're going to pray for that. We're going to see God. We're going to fast for those things. We're going to not just believe for greater things. We're going to take action that puts us in a place where we can really believe for greater things. Now also, this will also be available to you on Facebook. So if you get Facebook, we're going to put this, put the day's thing on every morning. We're going to put this on. You can also use this on Facebook as well. So if you don't have this or you can't see this because it's about uh, the size of the font is about two, uh, we're going to have this on Facebook as well available for you. Uh, and, and it will be there. It'll be, it'll be a place there for you to be able to do those things. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pray and ask God for a greater place of connectedness with Jesus. We're going to pray and ask God for a freedom and a greater level of connectedness within our church body, within our church people, within all of us. That God would make us and form us to be exactly what he wants. We're going to pray for breakthrough as a church. And I'm telling you, church, when we live and do and operate like this, God listens, God responds, and God works. You know why? Not because... We tried harder. We really worked hard because we have connected ourselves to Christ and we have disconnected ourselves from the world and we have come to a place where we say, God, minister and work and challenge me to be the person that you want me to be. I'm excited about is we're going to culminate all this whole month in a really, really awesome night. Uh, January 29th, which is a, which is a, a, a Saturday night, we're going to, I'm sorry, it's a Friday night. We're going to culminate this whole month with a four-hour night of prayer and worship. You say, four hours? I can't do that. Come for an hour. Come for a half hour. Come for two, three, four hours. I'll be here for four hours. And so, uh, so Pastor Joe. But, uh, but you know, we, we have a four-hour night. And we're just going to be here together as a body. We're going to start every hour off with worship. We're going to spend about 15 minutes to just worship with God, and then we're going to spend some time in prayer together as a, as a body, believing God for breakthrough. Church, we, have, we are going to be coming off of fasting. We're going to be coming off a greater level of prayer as a church. I will guarantee you this. 
If we respond, if we do this, if we say, yes, God, I will, we will see things broken. We'll see strongholds broken. We're going to see problems broken. We're going to see some things happen in this church because we are doing what God has called us to do. And now you know why I am so stinking excited about this month. I can hardly stand it. And so, man, be a part of this this month. I want to ask you to define what your place might be. God, what do you want me to do in this, this month to pray and seek you and fast for breakthrough here in this church, in this city, in my, in my, personally, in my personal life? Why is it so important? Because you can kind of limp along spiritually. You can do that. We can limp along as a church spiritually. We can kind of limp along and kind of do things and, and do our best with what we have, or we can listen to the word Pay attention to the world, to the word. Do what God's called us to do and see the kind of life that he has promised that we would have. We live like he's called us to live. I choose to be and to do what God has called me to be and to do. I want to briefly dive into something this morning. I think it'll be helpful today, if, if you will. Uh, ben, if you could come out this morning. We're going to close out here in just a minute. So I want to close out today in just a little explanation on why fasting is such a critical part of our lives as, as believers. You were made and created to be a triune being. You are body, soul, and mind. And nothing else in creation is like that. Uh, trees are, are one part. They are body. Uh, cats and dogs are body and soul. They're, they have, you know, they do have emotions. They will till tails wig. You know, the question comes, are dogs going to heaven? I don't know. I know cats won't be there, but dogs maybe, you know. Uh, um, but, but they have some level, they have some level of emotion, but nothing else in creation has a body, soul, and spirit. That's just us. That's what we are. So God's called us to do. Why fasting is so important. Remember, Jesus said that the connection problem was a problem. Body, it's what connects us to ourselves. Many of us, have self-connection issues. We are a little too connected to ourselves. We are a little too connected to, if I'm hungry, I gotta eat. If I'm thirsty, I gotta drink. If, I am, if I'm tired, I gotta sleep. And that takes precedence over everything. That works too. And man, I gotta have some time to just to feel, uh, have some fun and have some enjoyment. So I will do whatever it takes. I will do whatever feels good to, to feed that need in my life. We're connected to ourselves. We'll do anything to feed our body's appetites. Not just food. It's pride. It's satisfaction. It's comfort. It's also food. I've got a saying that a, a hungry need is a dangerous need. That if I live to feed all my hungry needs, I will do things and I will say things and I will be things that I don't want to do, say, and be. Fasting unconnects that from our lives and says, God, what's more important to me than any of those things is you. Number two, it's our, our soul. It connects us to others. Our emotions. You know, you guys make me happy, angry, and sad. You know what? You just do. And, and, you, and the same thing goes for you, guys, for you guys with other people, too, with me, especially. I know how that, how that works. You know, when, you know, a hamburger doesn't make me mad. The guy that makes it bad makes me mad. That's the guy that takes me off. Is the guy that makes a hamburger bad. You know, we, have, we are people that have, have souls. We have, we have emotions. It connects us to others. When your soul is out of whack, when you are so up and down, when you are getting all of your, your love and your attention, your care from everybody else and not from God, you're out of whack, you will do things that you are not proud of. You will destroy your life. Your soul's out of the, out of whack. It will take from other areas. And I, I illustrate this with a time when I was I was so involved in watching the news and watching what's happening in the world that I had to watch every night. And I turned my TV on every night to see it. And I got so ticked and so angry and so frustrated over the world. And I realized that my soul was hurting because of what I was watching on the news. 
I had to disconnect that from my life. It was amazing how things got better. I was happier. I was more faith-filled. I was more hope-filled because the word became my source, not what the guys said on CNN and, and what, what, Bob, what Bill O'Reilly said on Fox News. Who cares? What matters more than those guys is what Jesus says. And the last one is the Spirit. The Spirit connects us to God. When all three of these are working properly in our lives, the Spirit, when that's what's driving us, when that's what's connecting us, life gets an awful lot better. And, and the reality is, is one of those things right now is in control in your life. Body, soul, or spirit. One of them is. For many of us, it's body. Some of us, it's soul. And hopefully, for all of us, it can be the place where we are controlled by the Spirit, man. If you read Romans chapter 8, man, this is a great picture of what happens when the Spirit, man, is in charge. Man, it is good. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't want to go through that whole passage, but, but that is a picture of what it can be when the Spirit, man, is in charge in your life. The other two are, are, are not taken from. They are fed and they are grown. Your body's important. Your soul's important. When your spirit man's in charge, those other two areas are fed and they are encouraged and they are grown like they cannot be when they are in control. The beauty of fasting is you get a twofer. You weaken the top two and you strengthen the spirit man all at the same time. So I want to get practical here this morning. And if you're taking notes today, if you, if you can, that'd be great. Take notes or, or whatever. But I want to get practical here first. First of all, if you say, Pastor, I, I'm all in. This is me. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm with you on this, this whole thing. If that's what you say today, I want to encourage you to do these things. First of all, set an objective. Set an objective. Have a plan. What are you going to do when you fast? What are you going to do? What, how, is it, how is this going to work? For me... I am fasting this month for breakthrough in church and in my personal life. Those are two things I'm dedicating to God. God, I want this in my life. I'm praying for these two things. Set an objective. Uh, maybe today you, you need some forgiveness or some repentance or whatever else. I want to encourage you to refocus on the eternal and invite the presence of God in your life and in our church and believe God for specific Needs. If you will do those things, I'll say it again this morning. First of all, set, a, set an objective. Uh, what do you need? What, do you, what are you praying for? Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for repentance. Refocus on the eternal in your life. Invite God's presence into your life and into your, our church. And believe God for specific needs. That's, that's the first one. Number two, decide what you will do as a fast. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do uh, because that's between me and God. I want to ask you today to say, God, what do you want me to do? Will you fast sweets? Will you fast food? Will, well, not fast food. Well, that, that too. But will you, you know, fast from food? Will you, uh, will you fast TV or the internet or whatever? I don't know. What, what's, what's the deal? What's the thing in your life that's controlling you? Fast from that. Unconnect from that. Just for a month, you can do it. Oh, okay, you can. you can. You can turn the Facebook off for a month. You'll probably be happier. And, and so decide what you're going to fast. And then number three, expect results. This is where believe God for greater things comes in. Listen to what Isaiah 58, 8 through 9 shows us about what happens when we fast. Now that's what we need to understand here. At the beginning of this passage, this is talking about what happens when you fast. These are the results. Your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Man, that's good stuff this morning. That's what I want to see happen in my life. So that's my challenge for you today in this. Join with us. Do it. Commit 
with us. And I want to ask you as well to commit to being with us on Sundays at 9 o'clock for prayer. Be with us. We pray. It's powerful. It's awesome. Every Sunday morning at 9, come on out. Bring your kids. Bring whatever. Bring your Bring everybody and come on out and pray with us. Commit to being there with us this month. Fast this month and make plans to be with us for an hour, two, or all four on January 29th. And church, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm trusting and I'm believing for a breakthrough in my life, in our church's life this year. Who will join me with this this year? If you will, say, man, that's me, Pastor. I want to be a part of this. And that's me, I'm a, I'm a part of this. And so, Jesus, right now, we pray and ask you, God, that you would minister, you would work in our church. Lord, we dedicate this month to you, Lord Jesus. We, de- we give you this month, Lord God, as a time to, 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 to ask you to come and bring breakthrough in our church. I got a, a question I got to ask before anything else. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus I don't know what you're talking about here. It all sounds fine and good, but I don't have him in my life. If that's you, I'm so glad you're here this morning. And you say, I want to give my life to him today. If that's you, I want to encourage you today to raise your hand. Say, no, that's me, Pastor. I, I don't have Jesus, but I want him in my life. If that's you, raise your hand. We're going to give you a chance to give your heart to Jesus today. I'm going to count to five, and if that's you, say, man, that's me, Pastor. One, this is your chance. Number two, this is an opportunity that you have like no other. Three, give your heart to Jesus. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Four, five. Heads bowed, eyes closed, hands down this morning. I'm going to pray for you. If you, if you, if you, even if you didn't lift your hand, but you... You meant that today. You said, that's what I want. I want Jesus in my life. I'm going to pray for you this morning, and I'm going to ask God uh, to come into your life. And if that's you, you said, that's what I want. Just repeat after me. We're all going to say it together today. Uh, This is how you pray. This is what you do. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I'm sorry for what I've done, but I see that you are my hope, so I give you my life now. From this day forward, I will be different. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. This morning, I want to ask you a question as we close today. I want to ask if you say, Pastor, this is me. I'm going to join with you on this journey this month. I'm going to take some time, and this month I'm going to dedicate some things in my life to Christ. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to join with you to pray for our church and for our needs. If that's you today, I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now. We're going to go out this tonight, today, on a note of prayer. If you say, that's me, I'm committing my heart to do this. If not, no, you know, no pressure, and we're not going to look at you and Look cross at you, whatever else. So that's you say, I'm doing this, Pastor. That's what I'm doing. Stand up right now. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over our church. We do this. Church, this morning, I want to encourage you to pray with me today. Jesus, we give you January 2016. Lord, before everything else, Lord, before all of the stuff we deal with this year, Lord Jesus, we give you this month. Lord, give us breakthrough. Lord Jesus, give us people, Lord, that need to know you, Lord. God, speak to us, Lord Jesus. Lord, call people to ministry. Lord God, give people reason, Lord God. Give people this week purpose. Lord Jesus, for those that are searching, God, that have prayed and sought your face and are struggling spiritually right now, God, let this month be a month that is different, Lord, that challenges them, that, Lord, speaks to them. Lord, in our prayer times, you'd speak. Lord, you'd open the, the heavens up, Lord God, in our, our church services, Lord God, that people could, could find you and follow you, Lord God, that you would call us to ministry, you would call us to as your friends, that, Lord, God, that this church would be a church, God, where there is freedom and there is peace and there is joy and there is hope found here. I pray this in your strong and holy name, Lord Jesus. And everyone says...